Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra strong trash bags. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma for Tuesday, September 20th, 2011. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do once a month on Blog Talk Radio. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals to lead organizational change at Enclaria LLC. The Change Agent's Dilemma is how to influence change without authority. And my goal with this show is to provide ideas and methodologies to help you to do just that. Now, last year, I published a book called 99 Ways to Influence Change. And the very first way, number one in the book, is to tell stories. And so I'm excited to have my guest here today, Richie Cullum, who is here to tell us about the art and science of corporate storytelling. Richie Cullum has over 20 years of experience building and leading teams in consulting, startups, and Fortune 1000 organizations. For the past four years, Richie has also worked as a technical strategist for the Senior Director of Technology in Genuine Parts Company's Business Systems Group. As part of his strategy development and implementation, Richie manages the high-performance teams that develop and deliver strategic product updates quickly and efficiently. Richie, thank you so much for being here. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here, Heather. Great. So I guess I have to start with, how does an IT guy become interested in storytelling? Well, it it started about 20 years ago when I started in IT, and I was sitting around with a bunch of consultants who were on-site at an engagement, and they were talking about all the things that they did and how they could tell when a project was going to be successful or when a group was going to fail. And I was amazed at how they could just tell this early in a project. And then I started studying projects from there, and a lot of people spent time understanding how projects failed, and I really wanted to understand how projects succeeded. So instead of studying trick. Seven, right. So instead of studying the seventy to ninety percent that failed, I wanted to study the ten percent to thirty percent that actually succeeded. And that led to a journey of understanding teams which led to an understanding of what motivates teams and how teams really align to solve a problem. And out of that popped the idea of of telling a story and that the really high-performance teams understood the story, what they were trying to accomplish and how they were going to accomplish it. So that's really how an IT person found it is it's just so much easier to have a team that succeeds and be successful than it is to be one of the 70 to 90% that are trying to figure out what went wrong. Right. So what is the value of stories in business? Well, I, I will tell you, being a storyteller, I think that it is truly undervalued in business. And I think that um, in today's environment, the folks at, at Netflix wish they actually told better stories. <laughs> right? I mean, they're, they're having a, a really difficult time. And part of it is because Netflix originally had a very compelling story, and they lost it. And this last sort of debacle 
all the apologies have been about not telling the Netflix story properly. So I think the value really in today's social world is that storytelling really protects your brand. Um, and I think as we move more into the information age, storytelling simply is going to be so important to the business because it is how everyone understands that business. And it becomes its own touch point into the community. Great. So when is storytelling appropriate? Like when do you even need a story? Well, um, Honestly, I, I personally think that you need a story whenever you get a group of people together and you want them to engage in doing some work of value, right? So, so a corporate narrative is really a themed story. It has a current situation. It moves through this journey. It has this sort of happy ending component. And so I think any time that you need people to actually get motivated to do something and you're bringing a group of people together who have sort of their own ideas of what should happen and you're really trying to align that purpose, that's when you need a story. So I think on any project, you should go ahead and create a story. And it doesn't have to be this great world-changing epic, right? It simply needs to be something that people can hold on to so that they know why they're trying so hard to get this accomplished. And, and I honestly think that's the underlying piece. Anytime you have people engaged, and, and especially with people today, they want to know why. Right? They want to know okay. why their time is important, why this project is important, who they're going to help, so that they can really get into it. That's when you need a story. Right. It's not just about goals. It, it really is. A lot of times <laughs> people say you need to have a goal for a team, let's say, but there's more to it than that. Right. A goal really doesn't get into the intrinsic motivation for people on getting something accomplished, where a story really defines it. And, and it goes back to sort of a real understanding of the fact that, especially in the IT world, you know, people still build software. Mm -hmm. And that quality is still a personal ethic as much as it is a corporate ethic. And so you really have to find a way to invite people to bring their passion to the work that they do. And that's historically been the role of storytelling in even going back to, you know, the ancient days, right? So part of the narrative concept really goes back to pre-writing where, where history was passed down from generation to generation. And those stories were, you know, about the ethics of the tribe and, and the foundation of the culture and really why things mattered. And I don't believe that people have changed enough where they just can walk out and say, I don't need to know why or I don't need a story anymore. I'll just do this because they're paying me. <laughs> but the difference between sort of a team that's doing work and a high-performance team is really that they're aligned on, on purpose and that their purpose has a shared goal and that goal really drives them to do work, not just because they're getting paid, but because there is this value that goes well beyond the paycheck or just getting the work done. So who is it that creates or tells this story? You know, 
in, in a lot of cases, it really is the the team leader. And I don't mean that in a role perspective of, you know, in a hierarchy, but the person who really is going to be the, the people person, the person who's going to be the rah-rah motivator of everyone. Um, I would say that project managers really ought to get in tune with the ability to tell stories and should get better at it because they have positional authority and if they can create the stories, they should. But oftentimes it's a business owner. Um, sometimes it's a team lead, right? So you have your architect who really gets into it and understands it. Um, but I really think someone on the team really should step forward and do that. And the easiest place is to start with the folks who actually have um, direct hierarchical um, authority to tell that story. So, you know, I would say if it has to pass all the way down to the team lead, the business owner and the PM really have missed their mark. Okay. Yeah, I'm just wondering if it's something that you know, does that project manager or or whoever's in the leadership position or management position, is it something that they need to create or is it just something that they need to tell? You know, can somebody else hand them a story? I, you know, I think they need to create it um, because there's all this information out there, but the information isn't a story, right? And and there is a craft to to storytelling. So you know, let's let's walk through that that model a little bit. In that, for a story, you have a current situation, and that situation has some problem or opportunity, right? Someone out there is hurting, right? Or there's something that they could do better, or something that you could do for them. And that future state is really what you're selling to the team, and so. You know, at some point, you have to be the person, as, as a team lead or a project manager, you have to have a reason to get up in the morning, right? You have to be able to show up and give your 100% every day and be rah-rah about the whole thing because your attitude is going to affect everybody else. And if you are infectious about your passion, you can get everyone else passionate about the goal. And so I would say from a leadership perspective, you absolutely have to build your own story so that you personally believe in it. And so you're not telling somebody else's story, you're telling your story. And I think that's critical because to invite someone to participate, which is really what the story is all about, is inviting everyone else around you to participate, you have to be able to sell it, which means you have to believe it. And so, yeah, I do believe that everyone should create their own, especially in that role of leadership, because it really does matter. Right. Okay. So um, it sounded like you had a, a model here. So what, what is it that makes a good story? What are the components? Okay, well, any good story, right, you need um, this sort of underlying theme, right? What is this evil in the universe that I must you know, dispatch. And so there is this, this need to describe, you know, your world with some drama, right? Because people like drama and they want to be part of something where they have, you know, this, this goal in mind. And so you really need to understand, and that's why I'm saying it's personal, you need to understand the current environment, right? 
how was someone hurting? You know, and then what can we do to help them out? So you need your current state and then this happy ending future state. If we go along this journey together and we do this thing, this other group of people will benefit. We might benefit along the way, but remember from a story perspective, you're inviting people to do some work for other people and the happy ending really is intrinsic motivation. And so current state, happy state, and then why we should participate in the journey. And I really think when you get down to it, you know, the two other components are you need to explain to people why they're the only ones who can do this. And that really helps people engage in that there's no sitting around waiting for somebody else to jump in and save the day. And then if you throw in this whole um, notion that we're all in this and we're all participating and we're all moving together, um, then you really are creating this, this alignment of purpose to go from current state to happy ending future state along this path with this underlying theme of we're doing good and we're the only ones who can. And so when you put that together, it's really hard to say no, especially <laughs> if you're infectious about it. Right. Um, if you look at organizations where some people, you know, just seem to, to be able to pull everyone in, listen to them. They're telling a great story. And it's especially true in, in nonprofits and small organizations where they have to captivate people. But really, I'll, I'll sort of recap it real quick. I mean, current yeah. state, future state, why we're on the journey, what the enemy really is, and that, you know, we are the only ones who can solve it. If you can put those things together and tell it with conviction, you'll get everybody on board. Okay, so this sounds like a good time for an example. Oh, okay. <laughs> so can you tell tell us uh, maybe how you um, use stories or sure. an example of a story that you can tell us? Absolutely. Um, a couple of years ago when we started looking at our current application and a couple of issues that we were having, um, we decided to go in a direction of a new technology. And... As part of this, I really wanted everyone to understand that this just wasn't about us playing with the new technology, that there really was the sort of business imperative to get this done. And I work for, you know, Genuine Parts Company, and we do, you know, have some competitors. But over time, I came to understand as I was crafting this story that our enemy wasn't the, you know, big three we compete with. It was time. And so I crafted a story. Um, and this was based on understanding our customer. And in that, the story I was telling to our team was, look, we have a process, and they run it every day. And when they run this process, it keeps them from getting out and selling to other people. And really, for these independent owners who are out there every day building their business, competing against these other folks, the best thing we can do for them is give them more time. And so our compelling story was a set of independent ownerships who own their own business, who trust us to do good work, 
other competitors in their market who are nipping at their heels, and they have this task they have to accomplish, and we need to make it faster so they can compete, they can send their kids to school, they can do the retirement kind of model that they want, and they can support their community. And we're really trying to help them with this one thing. And we're the only ones who can. And that really drove us um, for a good couple of months. And then I followed it up by asking our customers after we delivered this, did we solve this problem? And we got notes back that said, absolutely, thank you, which I gave back to our team, which was self-fulfilling, right, that we had said we were going to do this. We did this. We had the feedback which said we accomplished it. And that then built up for the next story where we had another process that was taking too much time that we really needed to focus on to get them better ordering. And so that was our structure. So our, our deep enemy was really how long did it take to get this work done. And then when I would go in and say to people, look, we need to take some more you know, development cycles to get this faster, there was no groaning. They knew why we were doing it. And, you know, I, at some point I had the developers come to me and say, look, you know, we just need to go through this a couple more times because it's just not fast enough. And once you have your development team all the way down looking at, you know, that quality ethic, and not just code quality, but really product quality ethic, then you've accomplished your goal in getting the team aligned to solve a problem. And so that was, you know the one that was most recent. Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, just really a couple well. of things about that story I just wanted to point out. that uh, Well, I love that you had the, the proof of the happy ending at the, you know, when you had the customers that came back with their notes. or And so I, I'm curious to know if you, um, maybe not in this story, but in other stories, have you actually had, say, the, that customer come in at the beginning and say, these are my problems, so make it more tangible? You know, we or would have, you think that's a good idea? We haven't um, in our particular case because we were conversing with the customer um, in sort of a business analysis model and we're talking to a bunch of customers. Mm -hmm. um, for these particular stories, we created more of a persona so yeah. that we could tell, you know, Dave's story is this or Ted's story is that. But we were able to give examples of real-life situations. But, you know, I'll go back. Customers might not be able to, to tell sort of that deeper truth mm -hmm. that you're sure. after right. um, to the team the way that you can. Because, you know, in this particular case, I was more of a, a translator, right? The diplomat between our customer base and the development team. And so I could then craft the, you know, things I would hear from our customer community into this really focused message for the development team. So I, I think that you have to watch that. Um, again, I go back to if you're crafting your own story, then you're taking the input of the customers and then creating a story out of it that you can tell. Yeah. And if you truly find that sort of inner truth that you're looking for, you know, I always thought it was when we started this that, you know, the big three were our competitors, and that's 
know, the enemy. And um, right. after a couple of iterations, you know, sort of in my own saying it, um, so that I understood it, I realized the enemy was really time, and we could take the other competitors out of the equation. And if we focused on that one ethic for the product, right, worked every time, worked really fast, got them out of this task and into the rest of their day, that we could get everyone aligned to that one thing. And so, yeah, I, I think that you can muddy the water with customers. The feedback then is really cool because if you have accomplished the task, right, and you've solved the problem that maybe the customer can't say, when they get it, then all they're going to say is, this is really great, thank you. You know, and then they'll be like, you know, that saved me a lot of time, and I can go do this now. And so it really begins to dawn on them what the underlying problem was. And I think that's the key to the story is you really have to dig in and figure out what that underlying message really needs to be. Yeah, it sounds back. like it's not always the obvious thing. It's not always it isn't. You know, the you know, competitors, let's say. Right, and I'll even go with the one that I, I alluded to with sort of Netflix, right? One of their problems was they didn't include the community in the decision, right? They yeah. they just gave, they sent a message as opposed to inviting the community, the community that loved them, right? People who've been with them since the early 2000s. Um, they did not invite them into the whole corporate movement um, that we're now finding out, you know, they really did have a plan. And that's really why I go back to you need to understand, you know, your community. But you personally in the organization that's serving a community, you need to understand it so that you can spread the word and get the feedback into it. So there's there's a lot of moving parts, and that's why it's sort of, you know, art and science, right? Is, right. Is you do have to take the time to understand this stuff. So and I think you're you're leading me to my next question, which is how do you how do you make a story work for different audiences? Cause it sounds like with Netflix, you know, they had their own internal, and then they had all the customers, and so, you know, do you need one story for everybody, or how does that work? You know, I think audience? you really should craft a story per audience. Now, there's an underlying theme you have to to manage, but you know, when I talk to to customers about what we're trying to accomplish it's really a different story than what I'm talking to developers about. The theme is the same. We are solving this problem to move you from current state to future state. But, yeah, I do absolutely believe that you need to think about your target audience. Um, you know, that's – I love the idea of, you know, being able to get on an elevator with somebody and knowing their place as a stakeholder. Are they a developer or are they – your manager, is it an executive, and being able to give them a compelling, you know, 25 words of, or less response that meets their needs, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I, I think that if you think about elevator pitches, you really can see the need for different stories for different people, right? If I get on the elevator with an executive, all they want to know is that I'm spending the company's money wisely, Right. When I get on with a QA person, they really want to know that we are going to deliver a quality product so they don't find 400 defects and that, you know, we've given them enough information to do their job and that they're engaged in looking for the same things that the customer wants. 
right? Two different messages, same project. And so, yes, I absolutely, stories, you know, sort of have to have a, a target audience, and they are slightly different. Interesting. So you could have, um, I'm just thinking of somebody who has more of a global uh, organization-wide change going on. They might create one that's for the entire company, but then for HR, there's a story, a piece of that story. And for IT, there's a piece of that story. And for operation, you know, <clears throat> there's a piece of, the, of that story. So, And, and by uh, culture. Um, so the yeah. way you would tell a story, you know, a lot of what I've been talking about is sort of, you know, middle America, U.S.-centric. But there are ways to tell stories, you know, globally um, and, and ways that you have to craft it to fit the specific culture you're dealing with. So, yes, a story that works in, you know, Iowa might not work, you know, somewhere else. Right. And so I do believe you have to be very aware of your audience. Right. Okay. Well, do you have another example that you could share? We've got some time. Um, sure. The the other example um, really came from the, the startup days, right? Um, back in the, the heady days when we were all going to be rich and, you know, we're going to all have our yachts, and you're competing for talent. And so the story we were doing there was an online um, store management system for vets, veterinarians. And I had to craft a story of how we were going to change the vet's life for good, and really my story had to be better than um, the other startups that were trying to get all this talent. So my story was everybody loves pets, mm -hmm. and everybody is really on edge when a pet has to go to, to you know, the vet. I mean, you know, you're worried. It's your baby, and, and wouldn't you like the opportunity to make the veterinarian, you know, um, give the veterinarian a better environment, give you access to more information about your pets, give you more ways to reach the vet, ways to look up more information about what's wrong with your animal because, you know, I'll tell you what, man, pets are recession-proof. We love them. Um, and, you know, we really stress out when, when they're sick. And so if we can ease everybody's mind and make this a better, more engaged environment, isn't that a really cool thing? And I don't think I lost any of the, the folks to other startups, right? So, you know... Part of this is if you can tell a compelling story about what your company is doing and what people are going to be able to do to support your customers, um, given that everybody wants to be an employment destination, you know, I think HR should tell better stories. Mm -hmm. And that was really sort of my other example of, you know, me having to build a team in a hurry with a startup of I needed a really good story as to why my startup needed better talent than other startups. So if we go through the components of a story, how do those match up to the one you just told? Well, current state was vets were all, you know, um, separated out and that we were going to, you know, the happy ending was we were going to give this hope, this online community where basically pet owners and veterinarians could communicate in a better environment. So I had this, you know, state where we were all sort of separate and running around and everybody was worried and this new happy state 
where everyone was connected and that it would ease your mind and ease the customer's mind and pet owners would have a better day. The journey was you know, building this at startup speed and we knew we were all going to be spending the night on the couch, right, three hours of sleep and back at it. Um, <laughs> and what we were really chasing was out of this the sort of the enemy was the lack of communication between the vet and the pet owner, right? That the real deep enemy was this unknown and the worry that was associated with, you know, the veterinarian shop closing down and not having access to ask a question or find this out or go look these things up. And so we really were easing people's minds and making it easier on the vet to do a better job so they could then share with their peers. And so the the epic really in the theme was everyone, you know, does better here. And so it was it was an easy happy ending. Cuz everybody Great. could remember the family pet and be like, "Oh, I wish I'd had that." <laughs> right. Yes, don't I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I won't start telling stories about my dog, but there we go. <laughs> well, Richie, thank you so much for being here and for sharing the components of a great corporate story. And uh, it's just such a straightforward model that it just seems like you could just fill in the blanks, really, and come up with a story, and then you know have to build energy around that, obviously. But um, yeah. But thank you well, so much for being here. I appreciate your time and for uh, telling your stories here today. Well, thank you. And, and let me leave you with, you know, everyone can do this. And, and everyone should start doing this. There's, there, you know, you get better by practice. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Richie. All right, thank you. So the next episode is coming up on Tuesday, October 18th. My guest is Jackie Sherman of the Jackie Sherman Group. And she was actually a guest of mine last year talking about gaining the energy for change. But the topic this time, we are going to, the topic is called, This is Your Brain on Change. And so we're going to be talking about just brain basics. How does the brain incorporate change? How does it react to change? And, and we'll learn about ourselves and about how we might be able to influence other people as well. So in the meantime, if you would like to find more resources or learn how we might work together to influence change in your organization, please visit www.enclaria.com. Thank you so much for listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma. Take care and best wishes for your change initiative. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price. They're our best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. They're our best bags yet. And they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty.